Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two amazing co-hosts, oh. Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast and at reviewedpodcast.com and at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do is we uh, watch an older classic movie and determine whether or not it holds up to uh, a modern uh, viewing. And on today's episode, we are talking about the 1994 classic film, Clerks. Classic film. Salsa Shark. We're going to need a bigger boat. Throughout history, they have been a part of our American life. Men and women who have made it their mission to serve their fellow man. They've worked hard enough. Isn't it time? They had their own movie. Clerks. Yeah, it would be great if it wasn't for the customers. I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. I could do without the people in the video store. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's no ice? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. <laughs> You're a clerk, paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. convenience store do you run here? Directed by uh, Kevin Smith. Um, and uh, the reason I decided I wanted to do this movie is we are on the eve of the uh, Sundance Film Fest. It's about to happen in Park City in 2015. And this film is famous for being one of the most um, heralded Sundance movies of all time. It's a true indie story through and through. Um, this movie was created by a very young Kevin Smith in his hometown in New Jersey in locations where he actually worked. And um, he made it for $20,000, maxing out several credit, $27,000, maxing out his credit cards, selling his comic book collection to finance this little indie picture that uh, could. And the film itself centers around two characters, Dante Hicks and Randall Graves, as they basically go about their day being... Uh, clerks uh, in a video store and a convenience shop in uh, eastern central New Jersey. Um, so I guess that's about it. It's not very a specific on the location. I only say <laughs> that because um, my wife's from New Jersey now, so I know Ju- yeah. New Jersey a lot better than I probably should. Like I, uh, I, I know there's different areas of New Jersey, and they all affiliate with different football teams depending on where you grew up in New Jersey. <laughs> so it's all the pizza's different. No, the pizza's all the same. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, it's all, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing good in New Jersey. It's it is all everywhere. very, very good. And this is a very interesting film to talk about. So uh, as always, I'm going to start with Mike, who I know has some very strong opinions about this film. <laughs> so, um, And you are also a native New Jerseyan. So, well, yeah, 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 yeah. perfect. I, well, I'm native New Yorker. I will not relinquish that title. Um, oh. My folks are in Jersey now, so I've, I've grown to know it very well. Oh, okay. um, Central Jersey. So yeah, they're, they're saying things like, I think they said Mamronek and all kinds of different Towns and cities. She goes to Monmouth University. Monmouth, right, right, right. Um, (laughs) Stuff like that. Um, So, Mike. Yeah. Is this movie an indie masterpiece? (laughs) Is Kevin Smith a talented director? Does he have a unique voice? And should this movie be remembered as a great cult film? And go. Okay, so... uh, I saw the movie in high school the first time I saw it. And I think that's the proper context to have been viewing it, I think. I, I don't know. I, I, I know it's this has been heralded as like genius. 
I at the I, time, I think at the time. I ho- I certainly mm-hmm. hope so because I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be nice to this one this week. I, I just I don't I did not enjoy it. I don't know how anyone <laughs> could. It seems like you know what this looks like to me. This is like a film that everyone makes in co- every film student in college has made this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything about Clerks that stands out as unique or out of the ordinary or even like worthwhile. And well, I, I, what about 1994 though? I mean, you know what? We we always come back to this topic about how like was this is this cliche or did this start the cliche? Maybe that's what it. Maybe this movie started the cliche. For me now, seeing this, it's like every. I feel like it's every single. I went I went to film school, so I know it never it never appears that way. So I've never seen anything. But oh boy, Mike, here so comes when, the credentials. So, but, how but, here, no, but, so what year did you see this? Like if you were in I high saw school. when I was in high school, that was probably uh, it was on VHS late okay. night. It was probably ninety nine, ninety nine, two thousand, so maybe something okay. like that. So it had been out for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, in high school, everyone thought it was hilarious because it was crude, it was vulgar. Everyone, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's certain lines in there that people are just like, oh, rewind, we got to see that again. It's hilarious. I only saw, like, I think half of it actually in high school because we never got through it because we had to keep <laughs> rewinding for certain lines that were like, now I'm just, that wasn't even funny. Like, I don't, um, but it's just, I don't know. I said going to film school and having people that I knew that were, that were doing movies, and it's, it's, it's very easy trope to fall at the black and white. It's the, you know, the, the unfettered stream of vulgarity. It's like the, the people that speak way more intelligently than like anyone in real life. Like everyone in that movie mm-hmm. speaks very eloquently, you know, very, very perfectly. Everyone's very smart. Everyone's a philosopher. Like I feel like at one point when it was Randall and Dante, I feel like it was like three Kevin Smiths in a room talking to each other, mm-hmm. like trying to sound intelligent, trying to sound deep. And again, maybe this is because this was the first of its kind. Um, but it was just like so overly philosophical about nothing. Like it wasn't even about anything deep. There's maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds of like decent conversation where Randall tells Dante like, hey, if you don't like your life, go out and do something about it. Stop sitting around. Like there's one moment of clarity in that movie where they have that discussion and he kind of gets some crap for, you know, just sitting around and not doing anything with his life. It's the last thing change movie, it. Right, it? exactly. After yeah. they have their fist fight and they're talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. That was the only point in the movie where I said like, oh, finally, there's something here that at least has some sub- substance to it. Everything else is just like, it's like dick jokes and it's just, I, it was a waste of my time, to be frank. And like, I, I know this is probably going to get us a lot of, yeah, I know. No, but I, I really mean it because I think there's, and there's some funny stuff. There's some good lines, like, but I just didn't find any of the characters enjoyable. I don't like any of the characters. Like, everyone's just like this crappy, mm-hmm. everyone's a crappy person. The main character is trying to figure out who he's going to cheat on with, like, mm-hmm. he's got his. That's part of the point, though, I think. I, I know, <laughs> but not for me. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I, I All right, to, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off, Mike, because. Yeah. After you've just crapped on this movie, <laughs> no, that's good. No, and I, I know I, I don't t- think I want to toss it over to Dave because I'm curious. Um, because as we joke about on this podcast all the time, Dave is older than both Mike and myself, and I say that not to razz on not him to now, him. but I actually feel like this movie will hit uh, might have hit Dave in a context that might not have hit you, Mike, because mm-hmm. you probably watched this when you were around the characters that of ages of the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, so a, did you see clerks when it was that 1994 breakout hit mm-hmm. and did you enjoy it at the time? And do you enjoy it now? Um, yes, I saw it when it came out, but I didn't see it until it came out on video. I can't remember why I didn't see it in theaters. You know, it's quite possible. I saw it in theaters and just don't remember. I remember seeing a, a, a preview for this movie at, uh, the the, uh, the opening night of Pulp Fiction, which is now, now my I consider it my favorite that my favorite movie, which um, also is coincidentally nineteen ninety, which is also nineteen ninety four, right, right. So nineteen ninety four, uh, and even maybe you know the, I would say a range between nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety six was there was kind of there was kind of a, of a it's kind of a renaissance for these movies where characters that wouldn't normally talk a certain way would 
talk a certain way in movies. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson, the way they talk in Pulp Fiction probably isn't the way hitmen in real life talk. But, uh, and, and the clerks in a convenience store aren't really going to, you know, have the same, they aren't going to be able to talk as eloquently as they do in, in this movie, which is, it's not really that eloquent, but it's, you know, the things they talk about and the way they talk about them. Like, even now I can understand why there was some appeal to it. But uh, yes, so I saw this movie and it hit me at the perfect time. I, I was, um, did you guys have like retail jobs? Have you, were you ever like a clerk of, of any kind no a deli i was in a deli you were in a deli yeah. did you work like the the counter or anything like that or yeah counter and i was also a maintenance guy which mm-hmm. is yeah. fancy way of saying a janitor a janitor right yeah. yeah so my first job was a paperboy and you know so i had i used to collect that's back when you had to collect so i had i i, I was in customer service for for years you know i was a bus boy so i dealt with uh you know yeah, bus boys, bar back yeah, yeah so yeah. I, you know, you're dealing with uh people and their food and bring out water and clean their plates and people yelling at you and stuff. And then I worked at Baskin Robbins and I was, you know, that's moved up. ice cream. I'm yeah, I moved way up to Baskin Robbins. My dream was always to work in a video store, actually, just like Randall. So <laughs> when I was oh, like, you know, when God. I was, like, when I was like 16 or 17, I thought that was like, gonna be like great. I get to sit around and watch movies and I get paid like, Four thirty an hour or whatever the hell minimum wage. Well, you now you don't get paid to talk about them in a basement. I know, even <laughs> your better. own basement. Though. Well, at least I own the basement. <laughs> it is true. You're doing okay, Dave. You're doing okay for yourself. Uh, and, you know, I could start charging admission for this podcast. You guys. Well, the um, news wouldn't come. <laughs> uh, all right, fine. Anyway, yeah. So it hit me at the perfect time. I was working at Baskin Robbins. I was in college. I had. I think I had just gone through a breakup, actually, <laughs> before this movie came out. So it was like the perfect movie. Bad I wanted, and I was in film school and wanted to be a filmmaker. And here was a guy who uh, was making uh, – it's it's in black and white. And I can't exactly remember why he made it black and white. Because it was black probably and white, cheaper, cheaper. Yeah. It was cheaper back then. Yeah. Like, so it, was, it had to be because it was cheaper, uh, you know. And uh, it's almost like uh, he kind of won the lottery in a lot of ways, right? It, you know, Not – that not I should obviously he deserves a lot of credit for actually, um, you know, risking it all on you know risking all of his I'll money and, that, everything yeah. and uh, you know making a movie that was very successful and very influential. And um, that said, watching it twenty one years later, it doesn't hold up. <laughs> it just it just isn't. I mean, it isn't what came across as like clever and and uh, subversive twenty years ago. Uh, whole, you know, if you watch a movie like Dazed and Confused, for instance, at the, the Richard Linklater movie. We should do that movie. We should, I want know, to, yeah. That movie, and I, I understand, those movies, had, a lot of these movies had higher budgets. Reservoir Dogs, a lot of lower budget movies with characters that were clever and, and whatever. Uh, they had higher budgets, bigger production values, and, and part of the appeal of Clerks is the fact that it kind of almost looks like something that was shot on like a store security camera or something, you know, like mm. they, they captured these guys just chatting. But even with, with that, with that, the performances and the line reading and some of the dialogue, I mean, it just, it's some, oh. it, sometimes it's just painful. And I, you know, I kind of left the Kevin Smith bandwagon years ago because it's, you know, it's nothing personal. I mean, I, I actually worked on uh, the movie Dogma. It was made in Pittsburgh. Okay, here we go. Right. I'm not going to get too... I'm not, <laughs> any, any dirt you can give us on Kevin no, Smith I have no dirt. I have no dirt. I, I, I talked to him briefly in a, in a craft services truck. I asked if he wanted any coffee. I was getting coffee. He said, I don't drink coffee. That was about the extent of my... So, yeah, real jerk. Interaction. Nah, man. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Kevin Smith. But that was in 19... That was like three or four years Hot later. Take, after guys. I had seen Clerks, I had seen... Kevin the first Smith time I watched coffee. Clerks... 
I was living in an apartment with two friends. We were all in retail service. We thought it was the not the best movie ever made, but we just thought thought it was we, the bomb. We day are going to watch. It. I, we watched that movie every day for like two weeks. I mean, it, and I I would just turn that movie on while I was lifting weights or whatever. It was just it was always <laughs> on in the background, you know. Like I, I had I had a weight set of weights. In I'm my getting a house. real <laughs> mental picture. <of> <laughs> sorry, <life>. sorry. <laughs> did you did you put it in your trench coat I when went, you walked out of the apartment? Did you bring it to your friend's house? The VHS. To put that thing? in context, I had a TV and VCR in my bedroom with my weight bench, and I would always anyway. Yeah, getting off track. Uh, it, it doesn't. It, you know, it was kind of painful to sit through. I mean, it's and it's a little sad because it's a movie that I really, really uh, loved. You know, in the '90s, and I was, uh, you know, I was a fan of Chasing Amy, the movie he made with uh, Ben Affleck and Joey Lauren Adams. And uh, when I saw Dogma, it just, it just it, I don't know, it, things started to kind of fall apart for me. And it's not because he wasn't successful, and but and and I know you have some things to say about. Um, the way he's, I'm guessing, Ivan, you have some things to say about the way he's spoken about critics and, and, yeah. and, that, and that kind of stuff. But it, that stuff bothered me a little bit. It's not too much, but it's just, uh, I, I can't say, maybe you can you can uh, be more uh, eloquent as to why Kevin Smith maybe doesn't appeal to, to as many people. He appeals to a very specific cult of people now. Well, that is true. Um, and I, I almost think that Kevin... He always has, though. Let me say this. I mean, Clerks made top 10 lists of movies the year it came out. Let me... Let, wait, well, hold on. Have, let, again, you have uh, to put it in context. There no, were no, no, no movies no. like this let in me say this. I think Clerks is a good movie. Uh-huh. I still think it's a good oh movie. Um, I totally get all the criticisms against it. I'm surprised you're as against it as you are, Mike. So am I, Frank, yeah. But it's a movie that is very, very rough around the edges and only more so now because I feel like we are so accustomed to seeing polished films. Now, we talk about indie films nowadays. Even indie films nowadays look and sound amazing. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a movie like Clerks, which both does not look or sound amazing... Can uh, I I see the acting too? And a lot of the the extras, the acting was horrible. They were obviously reading lines for like that that woman who was like taking uh, notations at the end about the the girl who... Yeah, she's writing the page. She's not even writing. She's just making like a wave. Even back then, I knew that acting was terrible. Right, but, but it's, it's not even her; it's other people too. Like I don't understand well, how a movie like that can well, get through Sundance and get like critically acclaimed. Well, first off, Sundance in 1994 is not Sundance that it is today. That's right. the first thing. Right. Uh, Sundance today gets 9,000 feature film entries every year. Right. Sundance back then maybe got a thousand film entries mm. every year. So there's that. But let me get back to this movie. First off, the acting is terrible. I agree. And it, it, the, the thing that's most egregious is that uh, the actor that plays Dante Hicks is mm-hmm. the worst one in the movie, and oh, he's yeah. the freaking he's the lead. Star. Yeah, it's um, And it's really unfortunate because he'll he'll mess up takes and it almost looks like if I, you know as someone who edits videos such as myself i'll be like why do they use that take and i think that deep down i know it's because it probably was the only take they had exactly so right. um, i completely agree yeah um and but that also kind of endears the movie to me in a certain way because, because you are a filmmaker well mm-hmm. i just i understand how a how hard it is and b i picture this guy i mean kevin smith is 20 years old at this time mm-hmm. he's making this movie with basically his friends he's he's using all his money and he's throwing it basically throwing it down the trash to make a movie a, a, a big movie about nothing it's a movie right. about people talking right. and i think that takes a um i think it takes a lot of guts and i think at the end of the, at the day the heart of this movie does come through i think the end of the movie is effective and i, I think that, that. i think there are I think there are significantly clever lines in this movie. I think that his voice as a filmmaker does come through. And whether or not the lines being read, if the, the reading itself is good, that's definitely not true. They're not, it's not 
well performed, mm-hmm. but I think that the dialogue is compelling and it is not realistic in the slightest. Everyone is way too smart. Mm-hmm. Everyone feels like they just came off an Aaron Sorkin set where they're all <laughs> pontificating and they're 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 speaking in a way that we all kind of wish we could speak about things. But there's a cadence and there's a rhythm to the language that I find very, very interesting. And every scene, if you've paid attention, and I'm going to try to defend this movie here, is has this cyclical nature to the dialogue where it starts with the... Re- someone says something. Someone says, what? It says it again. You're yes. kidding. You're shitting me. You're lying. And, and it goes it back and forth. But then the end joke, it, the denouement of every scene is that the joke comes back that it initially started on. And whether or not he's reinventing the wheel, and we've probably seen this done a million times then, but at the time in 1994, it was very clever dialogue. Yeah. And he was also having people say and talk about things that just didn't really happen in movies. And whether or not you can say it's innovative just to be vulgar, I don't necessarily think that Kevin Smith is great for just, you know, dropping F-bombs or using vulgar language. It's the cadence and how he's using the vulgar language. It's not even just the vulgar language. It's like specifically about, it's the way he talks about pop culture too. Yeah. It was a little, it was distinct from the way Quentin Tarantino injected pop culture into his movies. He had his own way of like debating, you know, the the merits of movies and various other things. Kevin Smith was making a movie for himself in a sense. Mm -hmm. I agree. But, um... He was making this kind of cult movie talking about topics that you can bet he talked about with other people and that he felt like he was making it for himself. And I think that there was a lot of charm to this movie. And I feel like that's the best way I can put it, that I just can't hate it because I just – I, I see too much good I see too much good in it. And I, I know that all the f- – Yeah, you can't hate this. I mean I, I don't know. Maybe you hate this movie. Oh, I but can't. <laughs> Mike's, I can't Mike's I there. I, uh, I mean I can't I – can, I could never hate this movie. But see, this, this is what – like I don't – I. And, and again, we, we, we always have this problem of figuring out, you know, a chicken and egg situation. Like, was this the first of its kind? And I guess it was. But even still, I, I, different doesn't necessarily mean good. I, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what, like, people may have been wowed by it, the fact that this is different. But at the end of the day, I don't find... To me, this looks like someone who's 20 years old is trying to make a movie about adulthood. He hasn't quite gotten there yet. He doesn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. And he has... It just seemed very naive in some, like, really subversive way where, you know... And, like, I don't see... I, I don't. I don't see why I'm supposed to like Randall. It's clear that he thinks Randall is the shit. Like he loves Randall. He mm-hmm. Randall is. But I think Ke- my but, theory is Randall is who he wants to be. But Kev, but and Dante is who he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might. You I, might I, say I that. think they're both extremes of probably parts of his personality. I'm sure he like there's the the subversive, quirky, uh, smart guy that he wants to be, and then there's a guy who like he thinks he may have been this, this clerk working at a, mm-hmm. a, a store. Maybe not who he may. So Not who he thought he was, but I think an aspect of himself working out right. at this store and how he needs to get out of it. And he, you know, his friends tell him you got to get your, you got to change something, whatever. Yeah, he's definitely pouring his heart out in this movie. There's like it's a, it's a self examination. Like this is one side of me. This is this is like I'm, I'm trying to work out how I feel about women, and this is the other side of me how I feel about like you know this is what I like to talk about. So how can I express that? Like, and the the what I mean the movies also movies and. I porn just, and <laughs> you know, you know Star Wars, and Star Wars, and, and see, now I'll tell you what, weed. Star Wars, the Star Wars conversation, I really enjoyed. I thought that was, that was one of the I few that, parts that I think are genuinely funny and intelligent and like. Well, I guess the ultimate barometer I can give this movie is while watching it, I was genuinely entertained. I genuinely enjoyed scenes. I genuinely enjoyed the interaction 
going back and forth between scenes. And it's very odd because I'm a very plot-driven person usually when it comes to movies. And this movie really has no plot. Have you seen this movie more than... Was this the second time you saw it? or like the you... third, maybe. Okay. I saw it originally, I think, when I was a senior in high school okay. is when I first saw it. It's possible that, for me, it just wore out its welcome because I saw it so many times, That's especially very, very in, the ni- much- in the 90s. And I'll say the same because I think so many of the lines about, like, the cage monkeys and then, there, you know, there's other lines in the movie that, like, you know, in a row... That I had heard so many times in high school that it, I didn't have that same, you know, maybe okay. I could have, like... So it became a part of your pop culture before you even saw it, you're saying? And Well, no, I saw we, a bunch of us, like, would, would be hanging out at someone's house, and I'm like, oh, you got to see this movie, it's hilarious. Uh-huh. And then we, we popped it in, and we were watching, you know, the same scene over and mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, so I saw it, I mean, I didn't see it in the full context, but I don't think I really would have changed anything. I think, you know, maybe it just, it didn't speak to me, because I don't think I was an angry youth. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I was in high school, I should have been an angry youth. <laughs> I was picked on, I really should have been an angry youth, but it just didn't, I don't know, none of this... I didn't want to be any of these people. I didn't find any of them funny or intelligent. I thought they were all like just jackasses. But I think there are certain caricatures in the movie that are highly unique that only Kevin Smith could have produced. And the character of Jay, and maybe yeah. this is more has to do with Jason Mewes mm-hmm. as just finding lightning yes. in a bottle as a guy who can just say words the way that Jason yeah. Mewes say, says words. Well, there's no doubt Jay holds up <laughs> for me in this J- movie. Just the way Jay <laughs> talks about things and the way he says things, I think that Jason Mewes is the Best actor in the movie. Right. I agree. But he's yeah. not acting. I can tell you that. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. He's Having actually Jason. babysat in his, uh, I was a production assistant on Dogma, thinking, oh, I can't wait to meet you. This guy's a genius actor. He's just He Jason. was just himself. <laughs> and, at least at the time. And I mean. maybe that's just Kevin Smith's, okay, you said but earlier yeah, I, that. I feel like, but, but that's not to discredit him because he was obviously, not everybody can be themselves that well on well, camera. Just, Jay was very good at being Let me just say this. You mentioned the fact that Kevin Smith kind of won the lottery. And I agree mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Kevin Smith made this movie at the perfect time with just the right amount of, just the right people and just did it in a way. Like if Kevin Smith makes this movie in 2014 or 2015, 2015, Nobody I think, cares. I think it's left at, I think. Nobody yeah. cares. Well, I mean, that's because, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's because filmmaking is very different 20 years but, later. But here's, just real quick, before the, we get off the topic of, The ability to make a film is, is so much easier, you know. Before we get off the topic of Jason Mewes, I think that's something that I don't think you can write into a script. I would, unless I'm wrong, you, know, you guys can tell me, it seems like he's ad-libbing the whole time. Or he has at least a, a, no a general idea of where he's going to go. And I, I feel like he's freestyling. Right. So in that, right. in that sense, I feel like, again, the Kevin Smith got lucky. He got a guy here who was a good actor and good, mm-hmm. you know, a great delivery. And he just he's kind of just spitting genius as it's going. And he's mm-hmm. not really half, like, he may have written some of the context, some of the lines. But I feel like Jason Mewes carries a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. I, 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 I enjoyed all that, the interactions with Jay. I think that Randall has genuinely... They're generally great one-liners. Like one that's always stuck with me, even you know, revisiting this movie, even when rewatching it was, "But you hate people, yet I love gatherings." Isn't it ironic? Like yeah. that's a great like. Ins- yeah. That's a it's a it's a it's a one-handed joke. It's like perfectly executed in, in how it's phrased. And there's a lot of those little bits of cleverness in there. Now to go into like I'll slam this movie a little bit. Like the problem with Kevin Smith, and I'm not going to be the first one to say this, is he never grew up. He never got better than Clerks, and that's—I think—that's the larger problem. You say chasing Amy for me, at least. But chasing Amy, but chasing Amy also suffers from a problem of a man, uh, a man writing dialogue for characters that are—you know—he's writing too smart dialogue for characters, and he's and the dialogue is very, very much wears its heart on its sleeve in chasing Amy. Mm -hmm. He—I mean, Kevin Smith, for being as vulgar as he is, is a very sentimental filmmaker, perhaps overly sentimental, which is very interesting. There's this heart contrast with this, you know, outlandish language and hijinks and weed and sex and drugs and all mm-hmm. that. Um, so it just, he's never been How a guy. How is it sentimental? 
in in Clerks, Clerks. itself. Oh, yeah. well, the, the characters are clearly Clerks like, is like very very. Uh, yeah, like Clerks is the first bromance that I I feel mm-hmm. like really was like a mainstream bromance. Yeah. Like think about that term with Judd Apatow. I mean, the love story in this movie is Randall and Dante Hicks. Mm-hmm. You know, and this and their relationship and how he cares for him and all that kind of stuff. And I think the end is genuinely sentimental when he's talking about, you know, if you want to change your life, you need to be the one to do it. Like, I think that actually, and that's something that really spoke to me, especially 20 years ago, is that the the idea that you could have these really uh, kind of um, in-depth conversations, because, you know, you're, you change over time, obviously. When you're, and when you're, you know, in college or whether you're on, whether or not you're in college at that age, it's like you're really starting your, your, most people are kind of their, away from their parents, they're out on their own, they're trying to figure out what they want to do in the world. And the way you talk to people, I mean, it's nice to think that you can have conversations with people that are that are both entertaining and vulgar, but also serious and about, you know, serious life issues about like, uh, you know, who you love and, and uh, um, you know, what you want to do, you know, like, how am I going to get out of this town and, or, you know, do something better. Everybody at that age wants to be doing something better than what they are currently doing, right? That's why you're in college. That's why you're... Um, you know, like trying to make a film when you're in your 20s, which is something I tried to do when I was in my early 20s. So um, we should you know, review that next week. No, no, <laughs> that, never got, <laughs> that never got made. Um, so, it well, was, I mean, you just said it yourself. I mean, it's really hard to make a movie and it's incredibly mm-hmm. difficult to make a feature film. And here's a guy who's using a hockey stick as a boom microphone. He's, <laughs> right. you know, he's, he's buying scraps of actually film. actually used a lampshade myself when I was in high school. <laughs> so he's I don't like, know how you, not how a lampshade, a lampshade, a lamp pole is what I meant to say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It just, my heart kind of goes out to that. Yeah. And I, I really, I genuinely like this movie mm. for all its faults. And it, mm. it clearly has so many of them. Yeah. It, it really does. And I think he, I think that Kevin Smith is very bad I, I I don't like the way he writes women in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know I, I don't enjoy that. I, well, I, well I, I think he's at least it feels like at the time he was probably thinking that like like blunt honesty is was going to be good enough. You know to put like as long as as long as he was you know he didn't try to. Um, I don't think he tried to really sentimentalize the, the women in the movie. Not I mean, at all. He no. just he just tried to make he just tried to if if the women can speak just as bluntly as the men. Then to him, I think that meant it was um, a strong female character, and, and that's not necessarily true. It's just um, you know everybody in the movie is speaking kind of through his filter, right? I mean, Kevin Smith has a very specific and I, unique I voice, like... especially at the time, and uh, you know, yeah, you're right. I think the the women come across as. I feel like I'm seeing Kevin Smith. Every one of these characters is a version no, of Kevin you're Smith. I see right. Kevin Smith with a ponytail, or right. Kevin Smith like coming out of the bathroom with a girl's wig on. Like I just Whoa. see him. As, like, <laughs> yeah. how did you get inside my fantasies? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's just it's all Kevin Smith. Different facets of Kevin Smith's no, personality. That, that's and that's usually the, and that's usually the best kind of movie though. Like is, the, is, no, is, it's is not. A, because it's just a, a writer point, a writer who has. Um, you know, it's no, as, opposed, as opposed of, to like no. a movie that's written by four or five different people. I'm, I'm saying. Oh no! Well, I say the best kind of movie is something that you can create characters that are. It's almost like where, how did you come up with these characters? How did you pull them? They're not like where did they come from? Right. Versus saying like, oh, this is this this aspect and this. Right. Oh, this woman this is sounds like to be you. Either. Right. Yeah, and that's what and I I you know none of this. I, I look at this. I don't see anything that is making me. Like they, I, I I don't care about these characters. Like I said, I don't. They don't feel real to me. It doesn't feel like an actual play. The there's aspects of the film that I, I'm like, okay, I'm sure this crazy stuff that happens in a convenience store, you got all kinds of weird people that come through, but nothing about it has any kind of profound 
nothing tells me about life. Nothing teaches me about life watching this movie. Well, Maybe not it's this, not, not this point in your life. At well, least. even at the, even at that point, that mm-hmm. movie that you know what this movie is. This is the, the upperclassman when you're in high school, mm-hmm. being like, "Yeah, man, I'll tell you how it is." And you're like, it, at the time, it seems really smart, and you think you, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. So when I remember, I remember seeing it in high school. These guys sounded really smart. Mm-hmm. When you get older and you, you're 30 years old, you're looking back and went, "This guy is just blowing smoke." Like, yeah. and, and I don't, I, I, and tell me if I'm wrong, actually, I don't even know this for sure because I haven't seen too many of his movies, but I feel like his movies have always kind of been this way. Like, has he ever grown up and out of this? Well, well, I think that's what Ivan was trying I'll to say. Get, I'll get back into that. Yeah. I do want to comment about the, here's the deal. This movie's not realistic in the slightest. It, in fact, it's got a very heightened comic sensibility. Mm-hmm. Like, it even has, like, Looney Tune sound effects throughout. Sure. Right. And um, uh, on top of that, like, it, it, how do I phrase this? So one of the tenets of bad screenwriting mm-hmm. is they say if if you can swap a character's name with another character and not te- like tell that you swapped the dialogue, like if every right. character sounds yeah. the same, that's considered bad writing because you've essentially written the same character. Mm-hmm. But and for some reason, I feel like the fact there there is only one character in Clerks and it is a Kevin Smith, and that's what makes it it that's what somewhat makes it charming. Like mm-hmm. he's writing. I don't know. It's a, he, he's breaking all the rules, but in a way, he's also creating something interesting by doing that. And you know, real, real quick, just to make a quick side note, there are some characters that are. I'll go back and fix that because there are like Jason Mewes is one of them. His rocker German friend who's just like really weird and like that. That but, seems mm-hmm. great. Uh, the, uh, the, the Save Berserker. Yeah. Save Berserker. <laughs> Show them your metal well, face. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like there's certain things that do seem like, but I, again, I wonder how much of that is Kevin Smith writing them and how much of that is they just pl- pluck some guy and it's like this guy's hilarious. Just put well, him in a movie. I don't know. Either way, if, if it worked, it worked. It doesn't matter whether it's something he wrote mm-hmm. or. Uh, okay. Yes. But for me, no. Like I, <laughs> I, I, if you're writing, no. Well, it didn't work for you. If you're writing a movie, then no. I mean, in some way you can't can't bank on getting lucky then you're not a good writer it's your actors that carried it you need to have yeah well that's okay though i mean it's not okay no i mean it's okay a a movie can turn out however a movie turns out good i mean you could have the best writer in the world but if we're if we're trying to merit his writing skills and his directing skills Mm -hmm. well part of being a good director is finding good people to be in your movie right but well he didn't do that for a lot of them (laughs) there's a lot of people he didn't get the best i mean this is again me going back to the independent filmmaker inside of me but Think how hard it was to find the number of extras he needed because there's so many just one-off characters in this sure. movie. Like the guy who comes in, my, again, this is another classic line that I still quote to people. Like I still quote this when he's like, he's like, do you have a, do you have hubcats for a 1972 uh, hatchback Pinto? Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> just like that, like that's a guy that he had to find to say that line. He yeah, had to right. find a guy to come in. And I think the producer, Scott Mosier, played a few parts in the movie. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and Mosier's <laughs> still a big cl- friend yeah. of Smith's yeah, and all that right. kind of he's stuff. Now, they're now podcast. I think podcasts are. Uh, well, he's got. Well, Kevin Smith is maybe one of the most popular podcasts on the internet. Right. Yeah. Um, but okay, so let's talk about Kevin Smith a little bit. You know, okay. let, let's get into this subject of Kevin Smith. And like I said, I don't feel like he's grown up a lot in his filmmaking. And if you were to ask Kevin Smith that, he would probably say, "Yeah, you're right. I haven't grown up a lot in my filmmaking. Right. That's just who I am, mm-hmm. bro." Uh, but. My issue with Kevin Smith is the more movies he makes, I found that I'd he's a guy I'd rather listen to talk to a crowd of people for an hour and a half mm-hmm. rather than watch one of his movies. I completely I, agree. I, he, um, I think he's a I very, like him more than the movies. Exactly. And that goes Quentin into... Quentin Tarantino is the reverse. It's like, I love his movies, but I don't really, I'm not really a fan but of But think about that <laughs> statement, though. Doesn't that, That's why I like Clerks. Mm-hmm. Because Clerks is essentially an hour and 20 minute conversation with Kevin Smith. And then you start putting Kevin Smith into making conventional Mm -hmm. movies. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, go back to just talking and being Kevin Smith because I really don't want to see you 
you know, do a horror movie, and I don't want to see you do other types of movies because I don't think you've quite got the chops. His horror movie being Red State or Red Tusk? State. I haven't yeah. seen Tusk. Okay. Um, but I think that's an interesting, you know, point of view. And you, you start looking at his filmography and like, like, did you watch Red State, Dave? Yeah, I thought it was pretty bad. <laughs> I agree. I thought it was pretty bad. And there was a lot of people, you know, championing, championing, champion. And you could see, you could see the good intentions in that movie. It's like, it's again, it's like a, a lot of, you know, I agree with what the movie's saying, but it, it's so, uh, blunt and, and obvious and and just amateurish for someone who's been making films for 20 years exactly it's just yeah. you know you look at someone like richard linklater who's going to probably win an oscar this year for for boyhood and maybe it's unfair to compare richard linklater to kevin smith but i mean i think slacker his original movie was one of the main inspirations for kevin smith to become a filmmaker but it was only like two years prior to this movie so it wasn't like there was a huge gap of time and uh you know but you know linklater you can go back and he's made his career has gone up and down in terms of quality but I mean, just look, I mean, just listen to the dialogue in Before Midnight or, or even even a mainstream movie like School of Rock was like so uh, well made, you know, and so well, so well written, at least in my opinion. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I mean, because Kevin Smith is clearly in real life is, you know, he has a family, he's been married for a long time. He has a, he has a business, he's a, a, like a successful businessman and personality. It's just, it's always been puzzling to me why his movies haven't grown in the same way that like. Uh, everything else around him, or his, his yeah, it, it, it is, it is it's, it's confounding to me, and it's also interesting that he has developed. He has one of the most loyal fan bases of any filmmaker. He has got this legion of followers, which is considerably large, but when but it's not large enough to actually warrant box office or monetary return, mm-hmm. because every Kevin Smith fan in the world can go out and see a movie like Tusk, which is his most recent film, but that's still not going to make it make money at the box office. So he's found this kind of weird like niche to live in, where he has just enough popularity where he can keep making movies and probably get funding to make them, but he'll never reach a wider audience at this point. And when he does venture out and make these mainstream movies, People, A, don't even know Kevin Smith makes them, your average audience mm-hmm. member, such as a movie like Cop Out, mm-hmm. um, as an example of that. Or B, they don't care or dislike the movie. So mm-hmm. he, or, or Jersey Girls, another example mm-hmm. of that, another film of his. So, Zach and Miri uh, make a porno. That was also another one. That was that actually was, not so bad. That, that was, was maybe one of his biggest financial successes. Was it? Yeah, because it, you know, I mean, for Seth Kevin, Rogen. For, his, it, for a Kevin Smith movie, my issue with that film is it feels like it has no third act. It just ends. It's like. I, I don't remember. I just remember thinking <laughs> it wasn't too bad when I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember watching that movie and being like, well, that happened. And to me, to me, that was a point where I thought, well, this is going to be his turning point into like growing up a little bit with, with his filmmaking. But then he made red state, which is, you know, I kind of respected that, that he was trying to take a, a, a huge left turn or U-turn or whatever, and, and be a completely different kind of filmmaker. But, and then I, and I haven't seen Tusk, like, like we said, but it, it looked from the previews very similar in terms of like how different it was trying to be from his previous work. Um, so I don't know. Nothing about the trailer <laughs> really made me think it was going to be any good. Although I do like that he's giving Michael Parks. There's this actor, Michael Parks, who um, was who in Red I, State. Who was in Red State? Who I really like. Um, so I like that he's giving him work. But but we're kind of reviewing. I had a feeling we were going to do this. We were we're kind of reviewing Kevin Smith along with the movie Clerks. Well, I think, but he's I the kind of you know, like it's weird to kind of review too. a filmmaker, but he's he's well, kind of out there. <laughs> well, he's. I mean. We talk about Clerks being a kept movie about Kevin Smith. I mean, it's hard to separate the two. Right. It's this isn't a movie. Yeah. We we've seen a lot of movies where they could have been on this show and in general in daily life where they could have been directed by anybody. And I know that seems kind of cruel to those filmmakers, but it doesn't have 
a, a voice. And whether or not you like Kevin Smith, they have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you like that voice is debatable. But right, right. No, I, I, yeah. I, 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 there is something to be said about that. And I give someone credit for having that because my big issue, I mean, I watch... I watch a lot of up-and-coming filmmakers or filmmakers trying to make stuff through short of the week and all the shorts that I view. And a big criticism, uh, you know, even if I don't like a film, sometimes I can at least admire that they were trying something and mm-hmm. had a voice. It felt unique in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I see so many movies that don't feel like that. They just feel like they were either stealing somebody as uh, they were copying somebody else's voice. And one of the most anno- like um, one of the most annoying things ever is when I get someone that says, "Oh, I was trying to make like a Wes Anderson movie," mm-hmm. and that bothers me just because just that's movie. another just, good yeah. good comparison to someone who who's started out a little bit kind of cleverer and yeah. but also a little amateur and then really has grown, but mm-hmm. has grown. Yeah, and and, and that's I, what would, I'm saying. Really I would say grown. Wes Anderson became the most Wes Andersony filmmaker that exists. Mm-hmm. He's taken his you know his voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds stupid, but he's taken no, his voice and he's reached this kind of echelon of being Wes Anderson mm-hmm. and he's improved to get there. Mm-hmm. I feel like Kevin Smith is still the same voice of Kevin Smith than he was. So two, two things 94. I want to say. Uh, so one of them is just what you just said. I, I think Kevin Smith is a talented guy in, in many ways. And I think that the movie he, I think Clerks kind of, I, I think if Clerks was what he made in college and then went on to do other things that were better, I think I would be much more forgiving of this movie. But the fact that this is breakout and it became such a wild success is just confounding to me because I don't, I don't understand. Like for me, it didn't do anything. Maybe I'm just not the kind of no, person no, that... I, I think you're right. I think that really? you're right. And I think that if you show this movie to its target age group at the time, so you show it to 22-year-olds now, they're going to make fun of how funny people are dressed not and they're well, gonna right, and they're course. not and they're just not gonna connect with the but movie that aside, at all. Even that aside, I think you know, just I, I, I think I'm not the kind of person that is trying to be subversive. That's gonna you know talk down to people or make fun. I, I treat people with I try to treat people with respect, right? So this kind of movie just like, it frustrates me. So I'm like, this is the reason why we have so many shitty people in the world. We have people like this that are just why well, I think well, it's okay to well, like, crap on whatever. I, I, you mean talking, the characters in the movie, not right? Kevin Smith. Are you talking specifically? <laughs> no, yeah, right. Thank you, Dave. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Are you talking specifically about Randall though? Is that what you're talking? Right. About? Yeah. Randall just irritates well, me because he's just such an ass, well, and he's put on a pedestal. He's he's a hero. He's the sage of the movie. Randall yeah. is the id though, right? right? He's what everyone wants to like. Don't you? There's. I it, never. No, I don't want to be that. That's the thing. Everyone always says that. I don't want to be that guy. I don't know if I like, want to be that, but I've always had fantasies of telling people off as 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 cleverly as oh yeah definitely. i want to tell people off if they deserve it and, and, and for what they well, do you know what i mean in a, in a, in a way of justice well, not that, a way of like well that's kind of well okay right so but his view of the world clearly is like everybody deserves my my, my wrath. wrath are you right? saying his view is askew <laughs> his view is askew yes I well, can, yeah okay uh, but anyway before you get off sorry, I, I, the other oh, thing i want to talk about is you mentioned having a voice that's something that like I hear all the time. Like, I've done I've done writing. Like there's the idea of you need to have a voice as a writer, and I don't know if it, it's so hazy what that means to a lot of people. And like let's just talk a little bit about having a voice. Is it just the fact that saying something unique and differently, or is it like what? How do you how do you classify that? I, I know the answer. I'm just saying I want to. Oh, this is I, a good topic I don't even cause... know if I know the answer. I think I'm going to take the cop out answer uh, and say uh, it's like the porn definition. I you know I can't give you a definition of porn, but I can tell you when I see it. Right, because right, like, right. If, if I see something or hear something that feels unique in a way, I'm like, oh, this filmmaker feels like he's actually trying to say something. There's certain words they reuse a lot. There's certain cadences to the dialogue. There's it's a, it's, I guess it's and, a style. Um, it's like things that they bring up you know, frequently in their movies. I mean, right. you know. Um, yeah. It's the thing, I just, it's one of those things that it's very hard to tell someone how to have it. It's either you have it or you don't. Like, right. I, it's, you can't teach it to someone. They have to kind of just learn it and mm-hmm. they have to like figure, like the, so you, you hear something like that and obviously when someone has a voice, it's, it means something. It means that this person does have a certain talent. Like, you know, 
And I will say, as much as I didn't like the movie, it does have a voice that has its own identity. Mm-hmm. It's very different, at least probably for its time it was. Um, so for me, I would put this in the category of cult classic, but I wouldn't call it a classic classic because it just, you know, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't really, but this it doesn't like, really, it doesn't really hold up as like uh, something that could, I mean, and, and just your reaction to it, Mike, I think is just uh, kind of proof, at least to me, that that, uh, you know, it's just an okay movie. Well, you Clerks really didn't me, like it. I'm really just kind of uh, This is the way I think it, of Clerks. You know? Clerks is something that when you get one of the one of Kevin Smith's successful movies that comes on in the DVD as like a special mm-hmm. feature, like, oh, check out his student film. Mm-hmm. It's an hour long, but check it out. This is, you know, and you kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. I see where he, where he got that from. That, mm-hmm. You're saying this just, is the, uh, it should have been like, if, to use the analogy, it should be like Chris Nolan's following. following? Yeah. Um, I, I, but it's it's not because Kevin Smith just made Clerks over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, it's right. It's the same idea. The black he and stuck white. stuck to what he knew, bit. right? Well, because, you know, you watch a movie like Following, you know, directed by Christopher Nolan, and you watch it, and you're like, I get why this is a Chris Nolan movie. It's mm-hmm. not great. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, it's really rough around the edges, but I totally see but how this is the there. guy that's going to make Inception. Right. I get that. Or Memento. Or, or like Memento. Memento. Right. Which exactly. is exactly. Like, in terms of like, yeah, that's a much, much further higher, much higher up the ladder. That's what I'm saying. You compare much a bigger jump in terms like of quality. Following to Clerks, like, but it's unfair. Know? I mean, because you know, every not not every, it I mean, be. it's almost like Kevin Smith is 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 meant to be like our filmmaker. Like he's not quite. He's not. He's no Christopher Nolan. He's no Quentin Tarantino. He's, he's not like, a visual he's, guy. He's not a right. stylist. He's our guy, right? He's, you know? he's and, salt and, of and, the and earth. And for that, I kind of can appreciate it. And he's know? not he, he's not pretentious. He talks about his flaws and his failures and all right. that kind but, of stuff. But the movie is pretentious to me because everyone's talking like philosophers, like college right. philosophers. It is definitely a pretentious that's, movie. That's, There's no doubt what, about that it. That is true, actually. Good point. And that's what bothers <laughs> me. It's like, I think you look at a movie like probably the following, right? You, you can pick out something that is, okay, yeah, the acting wasn't great or this wasn't fantastic. Or you, but man, he nailed the dialogue. It's great. Mm-hmm. Or these characters, he really nailed the plot. And nothing in this movie really stuck out. Like, I, I, it was different, yeah, but nothing like really artistically genius struck me. Maybe, I don't know. When I, okay, so, you know, we're just to kind of... Just the fact that he pieced a film together. I mean, you know <laughs> well, what I mean? Dude, anyone That's, can that, do that. You give me well, $20,000, Anyone, $20, can, dollars, anyone can do that now, but not necessarily... 20, again, context is very important it is for me very with important. this movie. And I still, this is the kind of movie I'd still show young film students because it is incredibly inspiring to mm-hmm. me. And, and but let me talk about Kevin Smith and his relationship to critics, you know, kind of get yeah, to yeah, the I end of this podcast. That, because... Maybe. He's 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 done this thing recently where he's talked about and he's even I think had a show on Hulu where he he thinks that people should praise movies and the love of movies and the idea of creation is so beautiful that you don't want to be the person you don't want to be the mean jerk sitting back who hasn't created something to make fun of someone who has who has created right something. right okay now it's, it's the idea the idea that critics the, the idea that critics don't serve a purpose in the sense that. You know, those who can't teach, you know, those who can't do teach, right, they, they right. make, you know, they, they're jealous. They make fun of people that can't, that at least those people tried. Even if the movie's not good, at least those people tried. Right. And they deserve to be commended for that. Right. And I, I think there is some validity in saying that. Sure. I know I never wanted to discourage someone from creating anyone, anything. And I always admire uh, anytime someone goes out and makes something. I think right. that's fantastic. But to, you know, to cast off the fact that you can't criticize something I think is ridiculous. Like right. I mean, I think a lot of the, even some of the greatest filmmakers were critics either before or after they were, they were filmmakers. So it's not like you can't do both. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's what he's trying to say. I think he's, he's criticizing people who just sit there and critique, which is kind of fair, but at the same time, it, it's, it's almost like a, comes across as whiny because it's like, if you can't, if you, you put something out into the world, you know, you want to get a reaction from people. You have to, you have to be willing to take with, uh, take the bad with the good, right? I mean, he, he's had plenty of, of praise in his, in his life, and he's also had 
said is, is, is fair share of criticism, that especially kind of, yeah. in, the, that, in the later, uh, in the, you know, in the last five to 10 years. So that kind of quote, yeah, it irritates So it comes across as very immature when you're, when you're, um, you know, even if some of the things he's saying are true, it comes across as like immature and like, ah, you know, and, and some of the stuff, that stuff did turn, I think you're speaking about Red State, right? I mean, Red State came out and was very kind of like, Divisive. It was between, divisive, yeah. and he here's a guy who was championed. He has a success because critics latched on to Clerks right. in '94, right? And then he turns on them and talks about how they don't understand that he's a guy just trying to make something and do something different, and, right. and how can they criticize him for trying to but to see fuck that, that system? And I think that's a, a very odd attitude to make because every movie. I'm sorry, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like every movie I make is very flawed in a lot of different ways. And I know that. And I think that's okay. Like, it's okay that I screw up and it's okay that people criticize me for screwing up. That's mm-hmm. fine. But I'm not going to begrudge them for doing that because you can't live, you can't live your life in this rose-colored, with yes. rose-colored glasses, thinking that what you, everything you do is great because the fact of the matter is it's not. Mm-hmm. And, you, and that's you what, yeah, like, that. I think that quote comes from someone, it, it sounds like, you know, he, someone who made a movie for a certain, put all his money into this, mm-hmm. got it done. Mm-hmm. was a wild success yeah of course you're gonna want to hear that like that should be enough for you people you know what i, I made a movie like that's mm-hmm. enough but to be fair if i make a movie okay yeah even if it's not perfect i want to make the next one better i want to do the next one better than that better mm-hmm. than that and i feel like that kind of comment it makes sense from someone whose movies that we think like hasn't really matured over time mm-hmm. if he's kind of content with just what he's making versus saying like okay now what can i do better what mm-hmm. what was you know, what, what new thing can i try in the next attempt of whatever i'm making right so like, that frustrates me as an artist and as like, you know, someone who's always trying to get better at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you say that? Like, yeah, to be fair, yeah, you don't want these critics out there who are just, just you know, negative and just ripping things apart for their own sake, right? Or mm-hmm. they like the sound of their own voice, et cetera. Fair enough. I think there's something to be said about that. But yeah, you can't just say because I made it, it's good. There's something, there's there's an idea of quality and it's something that, you know, is it genuinely good? Is it something about it that's, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I don't, I don't know, too, I mean, and, and I, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here, but I mean, I think it's a sign of maturity and not that we, not that he owes it to anybody and to us to be a mature person, but I mean, it, there's, it, there's a reason that I think I've kind of left him behind. And, and I think, um, there's just le- less to latch onto, less to identify for me with, with Kevin Smith. And I think that the things that he says about critics that kind of, uh, clears up, you know, why I don't kind of connect with his movies anymore. And I think it's just kind of the kind of person he is and, and it's, you know, it's, I have nothing personal against him. It's just, you know, he's the kind of person that, um, I think he, he even recognizes that he's not really kind of growing as a, as an artist and, and, uh, he says, I'm really pouring my heart into this. I'm sorry you don't like it. So, you know, he feels he's, kind of, it's a defensive, um, you yeah. know, he's, he's being defensive and it's, you know, people who are defensive, you typically, we typically react negatively you know but then to, if you're going to be, def- to be like look so, you know what i made what i wanted to make maybe right. it's not what you want but this is what i've done right. don't probably, say that like hey you're you're i did it man that's you a much that would be a much better reaction yeah. that's not the way he is and he's and, he, and you know a lot of filmmakers probably feel very similar to the way he feels but to be he's, fair, he, personal, but he's such like, a vocal he's such a personality he's he has put himself out there in a way that a, a lot of filmmakers haven't necessarily absolutely I so mean, he's you know we get to, we get to hear his voice and the things that he, he's he says they're and he's and I give him tons of respect for being very open about how some of the Hollywood process works, right. how he's dealt with studios in the past. I mean, I mean that stuff's very because Hollywood is very closed door 
thing where we don't understand how things happen and everything's very quiet and no one wants to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. So I give him that kind of credit. Um, I just think that he's an interesting, I think he's a very interesting dude and I think he should just become a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I think that'd be good enough for me. <laughs> right. so. And I'll say, I know I've been bashing this whole time and I, I you know, Different kind of style from from me personally, mm-hmm. um, but I, I give him a lot of credit for actually going after something. And you know, he he embodies what Randall is saying. He's like, if you don't like something about your life, go out and change. Do something about it to make it differently. And I understand oh, yeah. like Dante's argument. I just can't. Like I can't. I understand that that fear of not wanting to or not thinking you can. And I really appreciate the fact that Kevin Smith has actually been able to you know amass enough funding to do it, make mm-hmm. it happen, edit it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the amount of discouragement I think artists face on a daily basis every time they do something is like crippling. Mm-hmm. You put something out there, and if it's not a wild success, it hurts. Like mm-hmm. I could see why, you know, he would get defensive at critics, et cetera. But I, you know, I, I so I give him credit for going out and doing something and making something happen. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a hell of a lot more than what I've done with my life so far. So, right. so yeah. yeah. So I think that's actually a really mm-hmm. uh, beautiful way to end it, Mike. Yeah. So. um well done, sir. <laughs> um, so I think that we're going to kind of wrap up this episode. I guess we're kind of running a little long. Um, uh, but I you know, I think that was a good discussion. I'm glad we had it about uh, Kevin Smith and his films. I guess we're just going to have to wait for Clerks 3, guys, huh? huh? I actually did watch Clerks 2 in, in the past week. and it, I mean, there's definitely more polished, but it's... Still the same movie. Still All right, so. the same movie, pretty much. Yeah. All right, so cool. Um, so um, Michael Morandi, where, where can we, people yeah. find what about you about the, uh, the next movie? Or should we do that first? Yeah, so I think so. Yeah, sure. Or no? No, I'm no, no, sorry. That's fine. Your podcast? No, no, no. It's no, actually no, no. not Dave, my podcast. We'll just we'll just do whatever you want, Dave. It's fine. David Glantz. <laughs> What's our next movie going to be? Uh, well, my choice, and uh, I've decided on a very long movie because we're going to be inside. Oh boy, Amadeus. Amadeus. <laughs> no, I, okay, fair enough. It's, it it's might another. Be long. It's another. Uh, you know, 1984 movie. I think we've done a couple. I've of heard so much about this movie. I actually, I'm I have two, and I've never seen it. Oh, never seen it. Well, um. It's three hours long, so like anytime <laughs> you never had the time. I just don't have the time, Dave. I'm hey, a real hey, busy hey, guy. Mike picked Magnolia. That was th- over three hours. This is was it? Yeah. Oh. So good thing I picked Clerks. An hour and twenty minutes in and out. Yeah, I appreciate right. that. Um, so Mike Morandi, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Morandi, uh, MikeMorandi.com, or if you want to go on Tumblr, I got some animation stuff up there. It's uh, Mike Morandi at Tumblr.com. David, go. <laughs> Dave Glanz on Twitter, G-L-E-N-Z. Uh, Dave Glanz Productions.com is my portfolio. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I am uh, uh, at Ivan Kander. That's I-V-A-N-K-A-N-D-E-R at, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Lucky9Studios.com. And I write for a website and edit for a website called shortoftheweek.com. So if you want to watch great short films, you should do so there. We are re- relaunching that website soon. Uh, so that should be exciting. You did not sound excited about Short that. We week. are relaunching that website soon. So Short of the week. that should be exciting. <laughs> well, if it ever happens. Uh, at Short of the Week, uh, we're doing that. Also, um, I will mention that we are relaunching our website. Oh, that's what you're talking the about. The Reviewed Movie Podcast. The Reviewed Movie Podcast yes. website in a couple weeks. So it may look a little funny for the next week or so while I fix that. But um, it's going to look so much better and be a lot more user-friendly. And you can all those people that you were you know, <laughs> hesitant to tell them about us the website was so bad. Now you don't have to be embarrassed. Now you can be like, it's these really guys fine. are so <laughs> legit. So um, Too legit. To quit. Too quit. To quit. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> That's we, a more beautiful note to end on, I think. That's more apropos. We will see everyone as we talk about Amadeus. All right, here we go. <laughs> a cute case of wanker's wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kevin was like, yep, wanker's wrist. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
I might be an expert. I know exactly what that is. All right. Here's the first email. So here's the first email from Ivan way back in No, I did July send it. I don't know if it was in the first chain. July of 20. Oh, it just did. I'm having a little stroll down memory lane okay, here. Okay, can we start the podcast? Sorry. Okay. Right. 